I would like to invite you to turn to the 150th Psalm, the last Psalm. A couple of weeks ago when I had the opportunity to preach on a Sunday morning, I wanted to go into our Sunday evening study of praise. But it was right in the middle of it, and I I just didn't feel led to do that at that time. However, this is the last message in that series. It could have very well been a Sunday morning series and fit very well, but we're going to end it on a Sunday morning and consider praise given to God. What do, you, what do you do in these days and times that we're in right now? How about we keep it simple and we give praise to God? He's, he's worthy of our praise. Praise is missing today among many. A.W. Tozer said, Churches have come to the dangerous time predicted long ago. It is a time when we can pat each other on the back congratulate ourselves and join in the glad refrain, we are rich, we are increased with goods, and we have need of nothing. And then I don't know if this is his continued writing or what the one who quoted it was was saying, but but I agree with it. It goes on to say, it certainly is true that hardly anything is missing from our churches today except... The most important thing, we are missing the genuine and sacred offering of ourselves and our worship to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This lengthy book, these 150 divisions of the Psalms, they end with a command to give praise to God. Through all of the joys, all of the sorrows, all of the pain, all of the pleasure, all of the burdens, all of the blessings, through it all, through, through this entire book, you find these ups and downs with the psalmists. And you find praise given to God over and over. We find the ups and downs in our lives and we are commanded to give praise to God. We have six short verses here for the message today and we find the word praise 13 times in these six verses. And 10 of those 13 times, it is given as a command that God be praised. He's well within His right and deserving of commanding and demanding that there be praise given to Him. We will praise the Lord for all eternity. It only makes sense to praise Him now. After 149 divisions that we've gone through, We come to the last one, and it is devoted entirely to praise. So let's look at the person of worship in the first four words of verse 1, 
And then if you will look at the last four words of verse 6, you will find the same four words and you will find the person of worship or the person to worship. Praise ye the Lord begins this division. The end of it is praise ye the Lord. God has many names and one of them is Lord. When you look up the word Lord, you've, you find the name also Jehovah. You find the name Yahweh. And that makes God more personal to us. It speaks of the covenant that God has promised to us. He is a personal God to His people. There's a big difference in the way some people would talk about God and others would talk about the Lord. You might gather a a widespread gathering of people who would listen to and talk about God all day. But you will find the crowd dwindling when you bring up the name Lord. Because that is making God, and speaking of God, being personal to His people. He is a very personal God. It becomes personal when when Lord comes up. What is included in speaking of the name of the Lord is the sacrifice of the Son of God. He made a sacrifice of Himself for our sins. He saves from sin. He sustains our lives. His personal care is over you and I right now. And He has made a promise of eternity forever for those who are His children. The name Lord would speak of the cross of Christ where He took our sin debt, where He shed His precious blood, was buried and raised again, and His salvation seals us for eternity. That that speaks through the name Lord. He promised that He would do it. And He perfectly completed what what it took to save us. This person, the Lord, this is who worship is all about. Worship is about the Lord. We have troubles. We have trials. I, I thought about through the singing of the special music, Praise the Lord that that we can say Amen. We connect with that. We have had experience with what the Lord has done in our lives. We have troubles. We lack this or that. We have seasons of bouts mentally or maybe emotionally and, and physically. We have needs. But worship is not about any of those things that we're experiencing. Worship is not about us. Worship is about the Lord. It's about God and His glory. Our burdens, our hurts, our scars, our pain, all of that comes with us when we gather to worship, but our attention is not on those things. 
our attention is on the Lord God. You know, that will make us faithful to worship. Faithful to worship Him when it's about Him and it's not about us. Faithful to gather and be present. As I say that, you know, and I mention emotional and, and different needs and issues that we have, when it's physical, that keeps some from being able to gather and worship. There are those members of this church, and, and they would rather be here than any place in the world today, but they're not able to because of something physical that they're going through. Maybe on and on. We, we don't hear the word shut in very much anymore. But there are those members of the church who would love to be able to worship the Lord gathered together with us, and they are unable to. And, but however, in saying that, when worship is all about the Lord, it doesn't matter what's going on with us. It makes us faithful to be able to worship Him. Man, He is the person of worship, the Lord is. Let us worship Him this morning. Vance Havner, he liked to talk about his dad. There are a lot of writings on a good old Baptist preacher from the past, Vance Havner. And he would write about his dad and he, he said, My father was faithful to the house of God when he felt like it and when he didn't, when the preaching was good and, and when it wasn't, my father was there. And then he goes on to say a little clever word. He was known for clever sayings. And he said this in relation to his father. He said, whether the weather be good or whether the weather be hot, whether the weather be cold or whether the weather be not, whatever the weather, he weathered the weather, whether he liked it or not. And he gathered... And he worshiped the Lord. When it's, when it's all about him, as it should be, that will cause faithfulness. Worship is not about the worshiper. It is about the one we worship. And the Lord is the person of worship. He is the one we worship. But let us also consider not only the person of worship, let us consider the place of worship. Look with me again in verse 1. It says, Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. In the Old Testament, they had a sanctuary. It was the tabernacle. The priest and the Levites would, would lead in the, in the worship and the praise that was given to God. God's people would unite. They would gather and they would worship the Lord. The sanctuary, it, it is a very special place. Uh, among all the buildings of, of this facility on this pre, uh, premises, let, let's just say that this, this is a special place for us to gather. Now, now some might spend 20 or 30 extra million dollars on a certain place that they think God's going to be pleased with and that He's going to dwell in in a special way and we're not going to go to some extreme like, like some go to, but the sanctuary is a very special place for us to gather. We, we, we all understand that God doesn't dwell in a building though. 
God, God dwells in these buildings. He dwells in His people. And when the church is gathered together, He is dwelling in the midst of us and we worship Him. There was a construction worker that was working in a church building on a Monday morning and he said, when I was there working, I, I, I felt God within. Well, he might have felt God within, but it wasn't as a result of that play of where he was. It was because of being a child of God and Him dwelling within us. The Bible says, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. That's in Acts 7.48 that we might consider that, that God doesn't dwell in a building, but He dwells in these human buildings. He dwells in the soul of His people. But there, there's nothing wrong with having a wonderful gathering place the house of God in His sanctuary to be able to worship Him. It's a wonderful place that, that we set apart that we might worship the Lord. You know, persecution has been and is violent in so many places throughout this world that people find any private room they can to be able to gather in to give praise to God. But here you and I, we get to gather in this place all together to hold all of us that we might unite and worship the Lord and give Him all of our praise. How wonderful is it that we get to openly and freely in the house of God in His sanctuary Praise the Lord. I'm glad we get to gather together because I believe we help one another to be able to worship. Anybody helped to worship when they get to church? There's a, there's a sermon and there's a time and a place every day for us to talk about how we need to prepare our hearts. And we do need to prepare our hearts before we ever come to the place of worship. But, but if you'll allow me to be a human being like you in a minute, even though I'm a preacher, I'll, I'll just say something maybe other preachers won't say. And that is discouragement might try to attack me on a Sunday morning before I come to church. It might be a Sunday afternoon before I get ready for the evening service that something just tries to take me low. Or maybe I'm just as frustrated as I can be sometimes on a Wednesday afternoon before Bible study. And, and we, pro, we, we do everything we can to prepare our but I tell you what's the icing on the cake and what helps is to gather together and come in to know that the church is here ready to worship the Lord and that is so uplifting for us one to another to be able to gather and to help one another to worship the Lord to help one another in song I'll talk about some instruments in a minute we, we all help one another to be able to worship praise the Lord for having a place that we can come together and worship. But let's not just consider the person of worship this morning. And let's not just consider a place of worship this morning. But how about the power of worship? And when I mention the power of worship, I'm not talking about anything to do with us initially anyway. It's all about the Lord. How about His power? How about the power of God and us considering that and the worship that that can bring about? Consider God's power. How about, how about those biblical recordings we have of the things that God has done in history. Anybody glad to have the Old Testament? Anybody glad to hear of the miracles and the mighty works that God has done and to know that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever? We have a powerful God, amen? 
And I'm glad we have those miracles that, that we know are actual events in history that happen. It's not a storybook. It's the most truthful book you would ever pick up in your life. It's real. It's alive. It makes you and I alive when we read it and we understand the power of God when we do. No wonder why He's called a mighty God. We, we have witnessed His power through the Word in our lives. Here in the Psalms, going throughout all of these Psalms, there's, there's five different times. There, there could be many other things I could mention, but five different times it comes to my mind how the psalmist is overwhelmed with the power of God and he basically calls Him awesome in the 66th Psalm in the third verse. He says, How terrible art thou in thy works. And that word terrible, it means to be in awe of. The psalmist is saying how awesome is our God in His works. But, but we might not just consider how awesome God is. How about how He is incomparable? I mean, man has always wanted to reach the heights of God and to be his own God, but God is incomparable. And we learned that in the 86th Psalm, in the 8th verse, it says this, this, There is none like unto thee, O Lord. How about simply the fact that he's great? The psalmist expresses in the 92nd Psalm in the 5th verse that he's great. How great are thy works! How about how many things the Lord has done? I kind of just wanted to go off this morning and go on a roll of, of so many mighty acts, miraculous acts that we can read of in the Bible that the Lord has done over and over and over. And we have an account of that we can get to know the might and the power of our God. There, there are many works. The 104th Psalm in the 24th verse says this, O Lord, how manifold are Thy works. How many things the Lord has done. We, we could stay here all afternoon. Poor Sean Druid, he wouldn't have been able to sing if we were going to talk about all of the mighty works of God that he's done first. We would have never got to the singing, but it would have still been a blessed testimony how many works he has done. How about the way David says in the 139th Psalm, how marvelous are thy works. And by the way, that's connected in the way you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. How marvelous are thy works. God's works are wonderful. God's works are extraordinary. God's works surpass all. And it's simply, very simple this morning, for you and I just to have our hearts and our minds fixed on how amazing and how great God is. And, 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 and it gets our minds off of us. And it gets our minds on Him. And we give Him praise. We get excited about the Lord God Almighty. And we truly worship Him. I like the way Isaiah sets God's works apart from any others. And it says in Isaiah 28, 21, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. There's no one 
who can do the works like our God has done. Let, let me bring our life into it for just a minute though because it just may be that every child of God in this room would be able to say, would be able to recollect an event in their lives and, and not ourselves, not another person can have credit for it. It's something that only God has done in our lives. It is no mistake that the God of heaven has touched our life on this earth. And He's the one who did this. He's the one who did that. He's the one that made us triumphant. He's the one that gave us victory over something that was impossible for us to gain victory over ourselves. Granddaddy said, consider yourself overmatched by the things of life you have to face. Because that's exactly how God wants it. Because He wants to show off and to show out in our lives as to who He is and what He can do. The power of worship is all about considering the power of God before there's going to be a powerful worship service. We might think of some personal acts, but how, how about some of these acts in the Bible? I, I want to go on and on, but we're not. But... But just for a minute, how, how about creation? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Oh, the time and the millions of dollars many smart people spend to try to prove that there's a different way that things are created because they love their sin and they hate God and there's got to be another way. So these ideas roll around and then they're discredited, they're impossible, and so another new idea comes along. And it rolls along until it fades away. Or a new idea comes along to try to clean up the old idea that didn't work out. And it just never works out. We see in the beginning of the Bible the, the amazing power of God in His creating power. How about the heavens? The eighth psalm and the third verse says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Consider the heavens, the creation of, of the heavens. When we consider these things, we'll say what the psalmist says next in that eighth psalm and the fourth verse. He, David says, when I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? See how worship becomes about the Lord when we consider His power, all that He has done. He's the God of the universe and He would be mindful of little old me and you. And He is, how deserving He is of our worship. How about God's power 
to regenerate people. In Isaiah chapter 19 and verse 25, listen to this. Whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. God has the power to regenerate people. He's mighty to save. Take this and do what you want with it. But we consider the attack that's going on in Israel. When you think about the power of God, don't put it in a box, but just consider some of those people groups being saved, either now or down the road. God's mighty to save. He knows how to punish, and He knows how to save. The power of God cannot be boxed up. He is to be praised for His power. His power to regenerate with the miracle of everlasting life. We're to consider, to behold, to meditate, to triumph in, to declare the power of the Lord. You know, you know we're giving God a great measure of praise when we are declaring the power of the Lord. Have you ever seemed to, to have your mouth closed sometimes whenever things are not right between us and the Lord? It, it happens. If it hasn't happened to you, it happens sometimes. And in our spiritual life, and the maintaining of our spiritual life through Him, our fellowship with Him, things being right with Him, that we're wrong, making wrongs right, it's so important. It opens our mouth to declare the mighty works of God. That is a way we're going to praise Him. We just shared the 145th Psalm not too long ago. And... And it says, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of the majesty and of thy wondrous works. How wonderful. People just smile when they say praise God. To speak, to speak well of God, to, to speak of the things God has done, it's... It makes us feel good to do that, but it's not about us. It's, it's about Him and giving Him praise. You think about some more of the things that He has done. How about the way He freed, he freed His people from Egypt? How about the Jews being able to survive Babylon and everything that happened there? How about these three Hebrew children who were thrown in the fiery furnace, but God delivered them. Whether He delivered them on this earth or not, they were going to serve their God. But God in His power, He delivered them. We consider these things, we read these things, we learn of these things, and we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He might manifest His power in a different way. He might manifest His power in some of the same ways, and we don't recognize it. But His power never wanes. It never fades. He has not grown weak. He can't grow weak. Deuteronomy 32 and 4 says, He is the rock... 
His work is perfect. That word perfect, it means complete. That word perfect, it means unimpaired. It also means whole sometimes. And in some places it fits uh, every one of those. And here it would fit that when we were talking about the works of God, that they are perfect. All of those fit the power of the works of Almighty God. And as we attempt to share this today, we can't reach the depths of the power of God. We can't come close, no matter how hard we try, no matter how many great experiences we have with the Lord, we could, we could never do true, full justice to what the power of God is all about. We can't reach it. We can't attain to it. It's greater. It's more amazing. It's far beyond the greatest knowledge or experience we could ever have. And that ought to get us excited to to praise God, to worship God when we come into this place. It ought to help us to get our minds off of I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making light of our situations, but they become frivolous things that would consume our minds during the worship of God. When we say the power of worship, let us consider these things. Look in verses 3 through 5 at the pronouncement of worship. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. I believe we would all agree that the greatest instrument to praise the Lord with is our voice. Let me say this. This is not a man-made setup here that we're doing. The worship of God and the service of God is something that He has set up. The the instruments that we play. Do we we think about what a special position that is to give praise to God with an instrument when we meet to to praise the Lord? You know, there's so many instruments mentioned in the Old Testament and it, it, praise the Lord. There's instruments you'll find in Revelation that are going to be played in heaven. How, how could they be left out of right now? <laughs> Tell me that. How could any instrument be left out right now to properly and orderly glorify the Lord from an instrumentalist that wants to give God praise? It doesn't make sense that you would leave that out right now. Don't do it. This is not a man-made setup. We worship by God's design. The very last verse of all the Psalms, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. There is a command. There's a command right there for everything that has breath to praise the Lord. Everyone here this morning, everyone throughout this community, who is alive, is breathing and has a command to praise the Lord. I attended church for a while and I, and I never, ever 
in church gave praise to the Lord until the day I realized that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus Christ to personally save me from my sins. I tried to blanket myself in the beginning for a few years with, with religion, some religious attendance. And God's so wonderful to, to draw by the power of the gospel, by the power of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins according to the scriptures. And His word says to believe on me that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I realized that little religious cover I, I, had, I had over me, it was hiding an unchanged life. <laughs> I had never been changed before. And this is the testimony of many who have never been changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone has said many times over the years, if your religion hasn't changed your life, you need to change your religion. How about the only one that can? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. Say, saving us from our sins to take it, and taking us to heaven. But how about right now being saved from our sins? A separation starting to take place. We're not going to be perfect now. But we're miserable when we're deliberate in ongoing offense against God. As His child, man, He's a good father. He's a good father. And we're, we're miserable to continue that way. You may praise God for the very first time here this morning. A lot of you may be a lot younger than I was the first time I ever got praised Him after being saved. But if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can trust Him freely this morning just as you are. Don't go home and try to have a better disciplined week of stopping this or stopping that. But if you want to be saved from your sins, right now, just as you are, trust in Jesus. And He not only gives you a home in heaven, He starts changing your life every day, every week. Things are going to change. And they're going to be able to be something that's pleasing to Him more and more. I don't mean to go too much into what God is going to do after He saves us. All of, the, all of that changes after He saves us. But you come to Him to be saved this morning. If you're not, let us pray. Father God in heaven, we bow before You this morning. Lord God, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for the opportunity to worship You. I thank You for the help that our minds and our hearts can have to be able to Focus on You by way of Your Word, by way of singing praises to Your name, Lord, to gather together and to pray to You, to pray for one another, to pray for Your power to be at work in this place right now, that salvation might come home to the heart of one who does not know You as Lord and Savior, whose life may not last that much longer. We're all uncertain of that, Lord. And your word says today, 
is the day of salvation. We pray that to be true and to happen in a life or many lives today. And Lord, that, that they might make it known that all God's people can rejoice with them. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone could please stand. Jesus is tenderly calling